I, I like to try to do humor. It sometimes is very difficult to to get somebody to laugh or to enjoy uh, what uh, what you're trying to accomplish. But uh, I, I enjoy trying to uh, encourage people to smile, and uh, it it does uh, it does wonders for your your psyche, for your mind, and for your, the the uh, grooves on your face as you can smile. It takes a tremendous blessing to be able to smile. God gives us that smile, gives us that blessing. Speaking about knowing God in education, right now the kids are in their second or third week of school and they're getting educated and college students are returning to college and college football's on and there's just a big hype about college and education. And so uh, education is a process, okay? This joke book says, education is a process by which information is transformed from the notes of the professor. Okay? Education is a process which information is transformed from the notes of a professor to the notes of a student without any of the information passing through the brains of either. <laughs> and so uh, some of you say yeah I, I went through school but don't ask me don't ask me to report what that one class was or you know what we talked about because it's not with me any longer but I do have the degree to show it and that's what it's all about so many people love their dogs uh, I as a kid had dogs grow up and and when you lose a dog it's 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 just really dramatic. It's, it's difficult on you. And a gentleman had lost his dog, and he placed an ad in the newspaper. Now, you remember, in the small country towns, that was a thing that you used because the newspaper was printed quite frequently, and people would read it, and they would follow through with what was there. And so uh, this gentleman in a small town, he, he lost his dog, and he placed an uh, ad in the newspaper offering a $1,000 reward. Now, that's a pretty healthy offering, uh, to, for a reward uh, if someone could find his dog. And so after a few days of the paper being out, there was, there was literally no, no response that he got. And so he stopped by the newspaper office to ask the advertising manager uh, if, if, uh, if he knew of anything or if anyone had called in or whatever. And so the office boy inside the office said, no, he, he's not in, I'm sorry. Well, is the assistant manager in? No, he's out also. Good grief, where is everybody? They're out looking for your dog. <laughs> you know, when you work for a newspaper, a thousand dollar reward for a dog is pretty, pretty special. So, you know, it's, it's interesting how things come together. Knowing God, how, how do we know God? Well, we have to start at the beginning of the book. And I look at Genesis and knowing God and, and understanding the fact of knowing God. How do we know God? It, it is a, a relationship. It, and it is a, a, a head knowledge. Knowing God is a head knowledge. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see, we begin with simple knowledge of creation. And we have an understanding of knowing, knowing God, and understanding 
him in the sense of how he created the earth. It's the, the, the head knowledge that uh, grabs a hold of us when we begin to realize in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. When you stop and think about the trees, the sky, the formation of rain. We have been so lack on rain, and when they said rain was in the forecast, I didn't believe them. Oh, I got six tenths of an inch of rain in my yard <laughs> to prove that it did rain. And God created the whole world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. It's amazing the God we serve and how he created this world. He is an awesome God. And so we begin to look at the fact that he created this world. Since God is the source of all existence, human beings... Uh, we must recognize that human beings, uh, their nature and everything about them, we're not self-existent. We can't do it on our own. God created us to have a relationship with us. And so we understand the knowing of God. He created us so that everything we have is his. All life and all creation, eternally meaningful and purposeful. All those things that are meaningful, purposeful life, they, they belong to God. The sovereign God has given us life. He's, he has the right over all creation. He has the right over everything he's made and his claims to, to bring us to a redemption in, in, through his son, Jesus Christ, our heavenly father. Whenever you begin to read throughout this first chapter, it's exciting to see the words, and God said. And God said, let there be light, in verse three. And there was light, and God saw the light was good. When God creates something that's good, Say to yourself, I am good. One, two, three. I am good. What makes you good? There's nothing good except the fact that God made you. Well, my mom and dad had something good. Yes, but God is the creator of life. Amen. And so God is the creator of life, and he made you, and you are good. Now, we might make bad choices from time to time that doesn't make us as good as we should be, but God created you, so... The basics of your life is good. God said, let there be light, and it was good. It was good. God called the light day, and the darkness called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, and the first day. Wow. Head knowledge. We can get the head knowledge of knowing that God created. We can go to college and get the head knowledge. But there's more to life than just the head knowledge. The earth was formed and empty, formless and empty. And God orchestrated light. He brought light into being. God said, let there be an expanse between the waters and separate the water from water. Separate water from water. There's water in the sky. We had to come down yesterday. I was so amazed when it came. Because I didn't really believe the report. Because it was supposed to be scattered and some would get, some wouldn't. 
and uh, the, the rain can the expanse is is the distance between the earth and the sky and so God created all of that expanse in order to create the ability for plants to grow there had to be that ability of the expanse put into place and there was light and there was evening and there was morning the first day it's amazing to see how this first this this whole process plays out when God said something it happened when God said something it happened and God called it good yes God called it good and so our our, our head knowledge is the fact that God created this earth and we get that into our mind in the process. And so it's, it's a head knowledge of understanding that God is the producer of life. God is the producer of dry ground. God is the producer of, of light bearers. God is the producer of fish and birds. God is the producer of animals and humans. All those in six days. And then finally God produced what's called the day of rest. The Sabbath. I love it when you look through here and it says the, the land had produced, produced vegetables, plants, bearing seed and according to their kind and trees bearing fruit with seed in accordance to their kind. And God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. I've had the privilege. And this is the harvest time. Uh, I, I told my wife, I said, you know, it's time to Pull the weeds and pull the plants. Growing season is pretty much over with. And I have the hardest time pulling them. The only thing that gives me solace is the fact that I take the green tomatoes, wrap them in newspaper, put it in a box, and around Thanksgiving, I go looking <laughs> to have my last fruit of the season. And, and it's apple picking time, and I've grown up in apple orchards. And so it's, and I look at this and I realize that in creation, God put it all together. God put it all together. And when he did, God saw it and it was, say it with me, good. good. God saw what he created and he said, it is good. And, and we, we live in a world right now that nothing's good. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? I mean, just so much evil, so much wrong going on in our world today. And we begin to comprehend. God said it. And it came to, uh, to be. And it is a phenomenal thing. When we believe. The Lord Jesus. When we believe in the Lord Jesus. And understand the confession. That God sent him. Into this world. And we have the privilege of being. In God's care. Genuine faith. Genuine faith. When God says I created it. In verse 27, it says, And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God was an awesome God. Amen. He put all of this together to bring us to a, a head knowledge of who he is. But there's more to life than just the head knowledge. And we've got to understand the, the beauty of creation. God said, let us make man. And, and he, man and women were both created in the image, in the likeness of God. So many people say, well, what's God look like? Well, 
simple. Don't look in the mirror. Because <laughs> you're the pattern of God. He created you, and you're in the pattern of God. He will help you. God bless them, and be fruitful, and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. God spoke to mankind to be fruitful. Mankind was in charge of the fruit of the land, in charge of the animal kingdom. God placed him in charge of all these things. And God called it good. God saw that all that he had made was, in verse 31, very good. Everything else he created, the fruit trees was good. The light was good. This was good. But once he had accomplished creating you and me, he said, it is very good. And I, I want to encourage you today that, that you are somebody special. And that God created you and put you in this time and frame of life for a purpose and a plan. And you must recognize the fact that God cares for you in a mighty way. You see, when you look at this concept, God formed the earth. He formed the firmament. He filled it with stars. He formed the seas. He formed the seas, and then he filled it with living creatures. I've learned to enjoy fish. For a lifetime, I had a hard time eating fish. Unless you could get one of those imitation fish patties at McDonald's or whatever. <laughs> yeah. but, I've, but I've learned that you can cook fish properly and you can enjoy good fish. And, and so God placed fish in the waters. God formed and filled all of these elements of earth. He formed the waters. He formed the mountains. He formed the gardens and, and all this and he filled the whatever he formed he filled it God formed you and he can fill you with a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and it's not just a knowledge but it's a heart knowledge it's not just a head knowledge but it, it is a heart knowledge the visible earth the visible world and how it comes about the presence and the power of the Spirit of God. When you look back at chapter and uh, verse 1, it says that the Holy Spirit hovered upon the waters. God spoke, the Holy Spirit hovered upon the waters. He was present. He was present at the time of creation. And the Holy Spirit goes throughout the entire Word of God, and the Holy Spirit lives within our hearts as we ask Jesus Christ to come into our hearts. And so there's the knowledge of God, but then we must come to grips with the fact that there is a heart relationship. And God wants to have a heart relationship with us. And he wants to live inside of us. And how does that come about? In Romans, heart knowledge. It's amazing, the human heart, how it pumps blood to, and out to the veins and the arteries, brings it back and it circulates. And it's, it's just an amazing muscle that's within our heart. And Romans talks about the heart. The heart is spoken of quite a bit in Scripture. When you look at the entire Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, 762 times do you hear the word heart. Just in the book of Romans, where we're headed, the book of Romans in the New Testament, speaks about the heart and how important the heart is. 
and in Romans chapter 10. Uh, I want us to start at the beginning of the verse, and I will get to, to 9 here in a minute. Uh, but the beginning of, of, of chapter 10 says, Brothers, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge, since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. So this is the transition from the Old Testament books of the law to the New Testament in Christ. Verse 5, it says, Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say to your, do not say to your heart, you will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down. Who will descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we're proclaiming. And the word of faith that they're proclaiming is found in verse 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that your confession and, and are, that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between the Gentile and the Jew. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. It is, it is an exciting <laughs> principle of heart knowledge. It is one thing to have the understanding of the word in the brain and in the mind. But then to get that message from, from a, just a lecture concept down into the heart. Paul made a reference in the gospel of the mouth of the Jews. He builds on the thought and expressed the confession that Jesus is Lord. Jesus, referring to the Lordship of Jesus. And we let Jesus be Lord. Now what does that mean? He's Jesus is Lord. We know Jesus. We've heard that phrase. What does that mean? The apostle goes on to say it's the order of being saved. What is it that means that Jesus is Lord? Well, it's real simple. If there's a Lord in your life, he dictates how you live. Jesus is not just the Savior who saved me from my sin, but Jesus is Lord. And we call him Jesus, the Lord. This is the outward profession of an inward attitude, an inward attitude of the heart. Jesus is Lord of my heart. Matter of fact, he's Lord over my exercise. He's Lord over my food. He's Lord over my recreation. He is Lord over my job, where I go to work. You say, Pastor, you don't know how evil people are around me that work with me. You don't know what I go through every day on the job. Jesus is still Lord. Amen. He's Lord in your heart. 
And so when you go to work, you don't work as unto the employer. You work as unto God. And you recognize that your reward comes to you from God. Yes, your employer may, may pay you, and hopefully he does on time. But the truth of the matter is, God gives you the ability to do those tasks that's before you. And so when Jesus lives in your heart, he becomes Lord. He becomes Lord of your finances. He becomes Lord of your education. He becomes Lord of, of your vocation. He becomes Lord of your recreation. He is Lord of everything. He is Lord of everything. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, it says, Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So we live our life unto the Lord, and He is Lord of our life. We make Him Lord of our life. We choose to allow God to direct us through His Son, Jesus. And, and we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead. You see, that's the beauty if you declare with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The resurrection is all about it. When Easter, the story of Easter is the resurrection, Jesus coming out of that tomb. When we believe that Jesus came out of that tomb and went to the Heavenly Father, in the process of that, he spent a few days talking to those people after his resurrection. Those who were special. Those who God had preordained for them to have a time with the resurrected body of Jesus. And we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. That is, that is the beauty of the scriptures. Whenever we take and allow the presence of God Almighty. To come and minister deep into our heart. Into our life. The, the full uh, with the heart man believeth under righteousness. We can't, we can't do enough good things to be righteous. We can't do enough things to earn our way into a relationship with God. It's grace. Every one of us. We live by the grace of God. God willingly forgives us of our sin. Amen. When we say, God, I confess my sins to you, I confess with your mouth. You see, that confession, that word confession is a legal term. It, 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 it hold, it's like holding uh, legally in a courtroom. I confess that I saw this. I confess this. This is what I see. And so when we confess Jesus, it's a legal term in the sense that we're confessing the Lord Jesus Christ. We're confessing with our mouth, but then also we're believing in our heart that God raised his son Jesus from the dead. And when you believe that deep within your heart, confession is made with the mouth and evidence is a genuine faith. We begin to have a faith that stirs within us. How did faith stir? The word of God begins to build. The word of God comes into our heart. We ask Jesus to come live within us. And there's places in the scripture where it calls Jesus the word. And the word of God speaks to our heart and transforms our actions, transforms our life in living the life that God wants us to have. And so it's very important that we recognize that there is a heart knowledge of God. The natural response to lordship is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ believes in the lordship. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, we confess that he is resurrected. Confession of the mouth doesn't bring genuine belief of the heart until we let Jesus, but it gives evidence. So when we confess Jesus as Lord, the evidence begins to take place because faith begins to stir within us and we begin to allow faith to build us and to experience a greater move of God in our life.
And so it's exciting to be a part of the plan of God when he says, you can know me personally through my son Jesus. You can come into a personal relationship by having a little bit of knowledge in your head, but bringing it down to your heart and allowing yourself to have a heart knowledge of God is pretty exciting. So then we go into our next point, and that is heavenly knowledge. How can you get more heavier than having Jesus in your heart? Well, we look at uh, John chapter 3, and uh, I want to take a moment just to go back to John chapter 3. And John chapter 3 is really one of the verses of Scripture this past two weeks that has really spoke to me. And, uh, and I just really wanted to share with you about John 3 and verse 12. Uh, it reads, um, I have spoken to you of earthly things, this is Jesus speaking, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, that is, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but God's, but man loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, verse 19, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly and that what he has done has been done through God. Right. It, it, letting Jesus turn his searchlight upon us and letting Jesus be number one in our life. And letting the presence and the power of God, the heavenly knowledge. I have spoken to you of earthly things, but you did not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Jesus is speaking here, and he tells them the inside story. The inside story is, is that there's eternal life for all of us. All of us is going to spend eternity somewhere. And... It, it's for God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What a blessing to know a heavenly knowledge and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. God bless mankind. Earthly things. The earth and its kingdom. Jesus came. And, and when you look at the first part of the chapter, chapter 3 of John, it says, Now, there was a man of the Pharisees uh, named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're our teacher 
that has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And Nicodemus says, well, how can that happen? How can I be born again? Do I go back to my mother's womb? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from. It is going, or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And how can this be, Nicodemus said? You are uh, Israel's teacher. Jesus said, uh, you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. I tell you, still people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of the earthly things, but you do not believe. How then will you believe the, the heavenly things? And so when we look at Nicodemus and his questioning and his understanding, Jesus is making a very declaration, a very strong declaration of personally walking with him. For God so loved the world, he created it in this beauty. He created all the world and he called it good. And so God's message is through the son Jesus. For God so loved the world, the cosmos, the, the, the world in its totality that he gave his one and only son, and that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is the glorious gospel. That is why we declare Jesus. And the power of the Holy Spirit lives in a relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit brooded upon the face of the waters, and the Holy Spirit can manifest himself in you as you say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. As you say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I confess you as Lord and Savior. What a beautiful, beautiful relationship. And that's the beginning where you begin to get a hunger to read the Word. And the Word of God transforms us. We're not perfect. We're in the process of being transformed. We're in the process of letting Jesus take the sin out and pour in his love and his compassion into our hearts that we might be greater lovers of, of man and kind, of God and mankind. Let's pray. Music is coming. We're going to have a little bit of music and we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, that we can have a head knowledge, but greater than that, we can have a heart knowledge. But we can have a heavenly knowledge, knowing that eternity waits for all of us. And that as we live this life, as we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, our lives are transformed forever. And Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on Calvary's cross for my sins, for our sins. And Lord Jesus, we confess you as Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, you came out of that tomb proving that there was life and life eternal. And Lord, you spoke to your disciples to go into Jerusalem and wait and tarry until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost. Lord, it's exciting to be a part of the family of God. 
For every day you give us strength. For every day you empower us. Every day you give us help. Every day you give us the ability to see. Every day you give us the ability to hear. Every day you go before us and help us with those daily tasks that's before us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are not only our Savior, but our Lord and soon-coming King. No one looking around. This is just between you and God and me. But you'd raise a hand and say, Pastor, I want to accept this Savior. I want this Jesus in my heart. And once you've raised your hand, we can pray and close the service and you can come and speak to me about that relationship and how we can grow in Christ in a greater way. I have a little book to help you walk the walk with God. But no one else looking around, you raise a hand and say, I need to accept Jesus. I need Jesus in my heart. I want him to be number one in my life, in my heart. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus being number one. Lord, we just continue to come to you saying thank you. For God, as we walk with you, you will teach us the thanks of your word. And Lord, I thank you for those who have come today and been a part of this service. And Lord, I pray that they'd be encouraged, that they'd be lifted up, that they'd sense the peace of God walking with them. That they could say, it's been good to be in the house of the Lord, to lift up the name of Jesus. It's been good to be in the presence of God Almighty. It's been good to fellowship with other people, knowing that they love God with all their heart, body, soul, and mind. God, give us that ability to love folks the way you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for viewing with us at home. And thank you, Lord, for what you've done for folks there. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for praying for our church. And may blessings flow your way. Folks, it's time for us to...